One time, when he was asked how he thought about music, George Gershwin responded, I like to think of music as an emotional science. Well, if Gershwin was right, then my guest today has been spending a lot of time in the lab. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. one-man instrumental project that features my guest today on the program, Todd Goldstein. Let me tell you a little bit about Todd Goldstein. Todd Goldstein is a truly exciting sonic architect, but that's not surprising given his resume. The former guitarist of Harlem Shakes and the brain trust of the band Arms, Goldstein has always been someone who has staked out new territory in composition. Now, under the TG moniker, Goldstein's sophomore album, Memory Foam, is a textured and deeply nuanced study of compositional space and sound. Filled with urging loops, undulating grooves, and a spacey center that proves both silence and sound are one and the same, Memory Foam is an aural journey that's nuanced, infectious, and emotionally resonant. I don't know, maybe Goldstein's move from the East Coast to the West influenced his soundscapes. We'll have to ask him to find out. Let's do that, shall we? Here's my conversation with Todd Goldstein, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I think I'm from a sort of like... um, you know, a liberal, secular, uh, cultural Jew kind of, you know, didn't, didn't get the bar mitzvah, things like that. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same here. Uh, but the cultural part of it is very, very much a huge, enor- you know, element of my identity. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I think if I, before it was a, a little, um, outre to do so, I would describe myself as a, a Woody Allen and bagels Jewish. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just bagels Jewish, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, now we're just now we just skip the Woody Allen part. Right. I know. I know. Um, how are you, man? How are you doing with this whole uh, this whole quarantine thing? I mean, you know, I'm doing all right. Um, I mean, I moved to Portland a little over a year ago uh, with my fiance, and uh, it's it was such a, a, a huge shift in my lifestyle from how it was in New York, and this meant you know just things were already slower and you know, uh, easier and simpler and things out here. So I, I've just kind of settled further into that in a lot of ways, you know, uh, apart from the existential, um, the existential horrors of the, of the thing, the right. lifestyle, 
me weirdly suits me. I, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a designer, I'm a musician. I, I do my things. I make my stuff. I, you know, I hole, hole up like a monk, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, could, could be worse. Certainly. Yeah. It seems to be a common response from creative people. I'm a writer. Um, I do mm-hmm. a podcast and I'm the same as you where it doesn't really feel that much different, just that a lot of things are closed. That's basically yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Where are you based? I'm just outside of Berkeley. Oh, cool. All right. Nice. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you think about how the West Coast would influence you creatively? Um, I, I, yes, I, I certainly did. Yeah. Um, are we, are we, we're, we're rolling now? Oh, we're in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're in. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, not, not that it makes a huge difference. Um, uh, I, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, I, I was a New York artist, you know, I was a New York musician for, for my, um, first decade and a half. And there was so much talk of like, how has New York, how is New York a part of your art? You know, there, it's one of those, there's location tends to both play and not play a role in these sorts of things. And I think I I can only talk about this in, in relation to New York, where it's like, I think the way New York influenced me it was really it pushed made me push really hard it made me a much more kind of like um anxious and productive artist um and i suppose in certain kind of, and and of course i was i was influenced by the other musicians in my community and things like that bands we were playing with and friends we had i had a, a broad network um out here i know next to nobody um and i no longer am working you know 60 hour weeks at my day job. Um, and you know, we have a a backyard, we live in a house instead of tiny apartments. And I think if it has the West coast has influenced me, it's influenced me in the sense that I just have time and slowness to move at a a rhythm that feels a lot more natural instead of just like push, 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 go, go, go all the time. Um, and moving out here, I thought, Oh, this is good. You know, maybe I'll, have the energy and brain space to concentrate on making music. And as I got here, I was like, yep, there it is. Wow. Energy and brain space. Cool. And then a record just kind of came out, you know, as, as it, as it does. And has yeah. And the music that, that, that it sort of yielded has more space in it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And, and, and I think it takes the make, making of this stuff takes a, a kind of patience and, and um, deliberateness and, and patience in all kinds of ways, both in both in the you know in the sense that the things that are happening are slow change over time, you know, and patience for me as the creator because it's the kind of thing where like with a song I'd be like, got it, you know, I'd be like mm, this verse and this chorus they just like mm, they fit so beautifully. It's just it, I I would know in an instant like oh yes that was working. Um, with this I need to just sit with it and come back to it and step away and think it's horrible and think it's good and think it's it's just a sort of like slow, weird process until I'm like, mm, okay, I think I can call that done, you know? Um, yeah, and and lifestyle right now is certainly more conducive to working that way. Or do you feel um, a little more relaxed in your in your day-to-day life? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm wow. the least stressed I've ever been apart from, you know, apart from COVID, been the, you know, well, yeah. the, the ongoing low-level hum of horribleness. <laughs> in spite of the impending dystopia. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you, what made, what made Oregon the place? Like what, why was that the target? 
Um, my fiance got a job out here, um, okay. and I had been to Portland maybe a handful of times on tour with my old bands back in the day and was familiar with it. We came out to visit and just really liked it here. It just seemed like a great landing pad for not New York. You know, New York has a way of making you feel like you couldn't possibly survive anywhere else. Uh, and I needed to just like break free of the, the like gravitational pull of that idea. You know, I needed to like remind myself like, oh yeah, I, I exist other places too. And it's such a gentle place to be. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful city. It's small and green and, and um, friendly and low, low pressure, you know, and I, I really appreciate that right now at my advanced age. It's, it's interesting, your advanced age. It's interesting <laughs> because I always feel that as we get older, um, it's harder and harder to uh, meet new friends. It's oh, hard yeah. to on that. It's hard <laughs> oh, to meet yeah. people. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. so strange. So, so that when you do, it feels really special. Um, mm -hmm. Have you been able to connect with people <laughs> since you've been here? Well, I don't know, Mom. <laughs> yeah, I know, it does feel very parental. Yeah. Make some friends, Todd. Come on. I'm making friends. Yeah. No, I mean, we have we have uh, some friends of friends that we've been introduced to since we've been out here. I, the other thing is I'm working alone now. I used to work my, my day job. My day job is a graphic designer in the branding space. And in New York, I, I was working for this, uh, you know, really busy, you know, high, high intensity company and meeting people all over the place. I used to meet people through work. I used to meet people through work and I would meet people through music. And um, here I work by myself and I make music by myself. So I'm not, I haven't really branched out much. And that's been, um, I don't know, sort of welcome in, in its ways. I like, I like the kind of clean, wiping the slate clean and just letting myself be with myself uh, more. Um, and uh, you know, uh, it's it's it gets lonely, but I certainly I like the I like the simplicity of it in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, you become you become you lose the democracy of a band. You become more like it's like a novelistic venture. It's like you're on your own. You're the writer. You're the yeah. creator. You're the arbiter. Of yeah, I'm the editor. I'm I'm the only one who decides when anything is done. And I with the band, the bands were uh, especially in the last phases with arms in particular it was always like my thing i was executive producing you know essentially everything that I, that I wasn't already doing myself um but this but the stuff that i'm making now is particularly like just me and my like cone of creativity just deciding arbitrarily when something is good when something is good or bad or done or not done um and um and I like that. I like that. I like that format. Yeah, because you, I mean, it, it's one of those situations where you learn to um, trust yourself. In, yes. Right? I mean, usually I would imagine, like, say a band like Arms or Harlem Shakes, where you would bring something to the band and go, I wonder how that's going to land. Now you bring it to yourself. And, <laughs> and it's more, yeah. a little more immediate. Um, how are you doing in terms of trusting your instincts and being being allowing yourself to be critical with yourself going okay that's not going to pass muster let's redo that yeah um that's interesting yeah I, I mean i think like the i am very into uh brian eno like thinking um but also brian Eno like music uh my cat's name is brian eno uh i like brian eno yes uh he's really 
a smart guy, and I like the way he, he thinks of, of, of creation in so many ways as just allowing a, a process to, to iterate on itself. And I think that's been very helpful for me, especially with this sort of music, where all I can do is trust my own process. And, you know, and, and um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the way I end up working is that I'm always just like popping out these little terrible ideas you know, and I'm collecting terrible ideas that I am kind of ambivalent about. And, you know, I, I let sit with those things and kind of hate them for a while. And then I go back every once in a while and look through things until I find myself being surprised and delighted by some old thing that I've made. And I allow that to start to turn into something a little bit more until I get tired of that and I go into another thing. And, you know, and there's a lot of little micro moments of like, ugh, or like, yay, you know, right. but I, I have learned not to take any of those reactions for more than what they are as just sort of like immediate reactions in the moment and things like that. I have to be very, um, I think mindfulness plays a really big role in like my process where I'm just sort of like letting it be what it is. And if I feel like working on it a little more, it moves a little further and then I step away and then I try this. I'm just bouncing around in the in the petri dish you know until something kind of evolves into something more complete and um if i get too critical at any point i know just to step away i i used to be a very anxious and and um worried artist about my own stuff and i had to really learn how to just not do that for my own sanity just let the creation happen you know yeah and isn't it true that the the terrible things are as important to the process as the great things. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And 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 I and if I think something is terrible, I never take that as the final um, judgment of the thing. I just take that as like a judgment on that day, whatever. You know, there are things that are on this album that I come from germs of ideas I came up with years ago that at the time seemed somehow not right, and then in the light of I don't know, moving to Portland, having a new brain, you know, from that, just looking at it being like, oh, wow, it's kind of compelling and interesting and just going deeper into it in that moment because I knew that I, you know, I trusted that I would at some point change, you know, and I did. So as you've gone on, you've become more of a sonic architect than, than ever. Mm -hmm. Like you're, bu you're building it from the ground floor up and you're in you're you're it sounds like you're falling in love with that sort of process of being the person who draws the blueprint builds the thing maybe tears yeah. it down and builds it again right yeah yeah for sure kind of like conjuring conjuring stuff completely yeah i think i think also getting into more electronic kinds of production makes me think about how um uh, making this kind of music is also being a curator because you just have mm -hmm. infinite possibilities of what these things what sounds to use you know that you're not just writing a song and knowing that it's going to have a guitar and a bass and drums and lead vocals and some harmonies and some flourishes filling out the arrangement it can literally be anything you know maybe you have some basic building blocks but there i have endless synthesizers available to me i have all of the samples all of the little sounds and bits and pieces i can do whatever i want and, you know and making all of those little micro choices is if you, I, I feel that very much in the, in the process these days where I'm really deciding like, oh, I like these kinds of sounds. I'm going to choose to use these kinds of sounds because they're saying something that I am that resonates right now. Um, yeah. How many instruments? I'm just kind of curious. How many, how many instruments do you actually play on your on your own? 
I guess I can play uh, different guitars and bass guitars, and I play okay piano keys and things, and singing, uh, and I can doodle around on a banjo. I, I play um, weirdly um, accomplished. I'm a, I'm a strangely accomplished um, harmonica player. Oh. Um, uh, that's about it. Yeah, those are the things. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I've, I, it's interesting because a lot of musicians will tell me that they think it's very instructive to pick up a new instrument. Oh, yeah. um, do you find that to be true? For certainly, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really picked up a new instrument in a long time, I, in part because I think I don't really, I'm not, even when I was uh, really moving with the band and doing like a rock band thing, I, I am never like a, a gear guy or like a, multi i am i guess i am a multi-instrumentalist i am a multi-instrumentalist but i i never really go too deep or anything like that i i have been a guitar player my whole life and a singer but those are the those are the ones i think now the things that are most interesting to me are like learning how to produce music using learning new software and and sound design techniques and things like that that's that that tends to be where i'm, I'm going deeper which i which i think sort of feels like design to me you know? yeah i've moved in a more technology oriented direction and that's that's kind of the stuff where i'm like blowing my own mind with new 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 skills and techniques and things yeah it's interesting to hear about to hear you mention brian eno because it's amazing that eno was doing what he was doing when he was doing it um when you think about technology and, and the advancements and and the um what is available at your fingertips now to create with like all the different kinds of clay Right. It's almost like back then there was like vanilla and chocolate and now there's like right. billions of flavors, right? Yeah. Um, a technicolor world that he didn't really have access to, but yet he accessed. Yeah. And it, it's astounding to listen to what he did. Um, and, you know, from Warm Jets to pick, basically you pick it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for you, do you feel that there is a kind of limitlessness to this music? Whereas maybe like a verse, chorus, verse, rock band feels, does that feel more limiting or, or sort of artistically claustrophobic? Uh, it, it does by comparison now, yeah. I, I think I, I stopped, there was a point a bunch of years ago where I just realized that I was no longer interested in expressing myself in pop songwriting. Mm -hmm. um, and it was not out of a, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like, over it, man. You know, I, I wasn't like against songwriting. I just right. had this had the the distinct sense that I had sort of like written my last pop song as a way of, you know, as a way of expressing myself. Singing felt weird. I just it all just didn't seem like me anymore. And and the, and so I made a really concerted effort to just try to figure out how to make something in a new way. And in this space, there are tons of conventions. And like so many other, you know, um, kind of opaque seeming genres, if you're not immediately into it, it can all sound the same. But of course, the deeper you get into it, you start understanding the nuance and you start even seeing all the cliches that show up again and again. And, and um, but at the same time, there is this idea of limit, limitlessness that fits into the electronic music production world because you just have so many options and it's not just what chords you can make on a single instrument it's it horizontal all the horizontal possibilities all the vertical possibilities you're just swimming in this in the sea um so i think 
I've had to sort of learn all the conventions as much as is possible and then also open myself up to the possibility of breaking them. Like, you know, it's like that's you're bringing, you're learning a whole new sport. You're learning a whole right. new game. You know, you got to learn all the rules and then you got to learn how to break the rules. And I feel like just as of maybe recently after doing this for maybe five years or so, I've started to learn how to break out of the, I, I feel like I've learned just enough rules to start breaking the rules. Um, maybe, maybe memory foam, maybe this album that I, that I'm, I finished is the one where that comes to fruition. I don't know if it's really necessarily for me to say, but I do feel like the stuff that I, I'm doing after that, hopefully we'll have a little more breaking of rules. Yeah, I mean, there's so much texture on this album and I, and I love it because it, you know, the more I listen to it, the more things get revealed. Mm -hmm. um, and it also cool. seems like the way you described it is it seems like it honors the way the brain works, you know, because we are tangential by nature, you know, mm -hmm. and we, we, we zig, we zag, and we don't even remember why we started doing it in the first place. Um, we're just out there in left field. And I think that if you honor, um, like right now, my struggle is like my, my day job, Todd, is I'm a professor. Oh. And I'm teaching my students, like, you know, writing is sort of like, you don't have to write a linear piece. Like you can write, you can go all over the place. And they're so scared to do that because they don't, they don't want to be ground control to Major Tom. Like, where, where are you? You know, they don't want mm -hmm. that to happen. Um, but, but I love how you describe that because it feels to me that that is really how our brains move, is that we do take all these circuitous um, routes and then we end up somewhere that we didn't even expect. So long-winded question have you in your creative process ended up somewhere that you hadn't visualized you were going to end up? Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I really like the way you, you framed that up. Um, how have I ended up in a place I didn't expect? Uh, I think, I think I, yeah, I think that's just always been, sort of been my intention with, with, um, creatively that I, that I don't, I think getting out of songwriting in particular was a, maybe had a bit of a personal shift where I was less, I had been really single-mindedly, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a nice parallel for you. Like okay. I, personally, I'd been very single-mindedly um, um, pursuing music as a career. I really wanted to be a professional rock musician, you know, and I, early on I had the, uh, the fortune to find my way in with Harlem Shakes who were, I had a very buzzy band in New York at the time and we sold out all these venues and we were starting to pull in really big crowds and people singing along and feeling like, Oh, why we're really doing this. I really thought like, Oh, I can do this, you know? And in the, by the time I kind of hit my like early, early thirties, I realized like, Oh, this is not going to happen the way I'd intended. You know, I really was on this very linear kind of like um, rigidly linear path to that and I had to break with that kind of thinking and to open myself up to the possibility that there are all sorts of things I could do in my life. I don't have to be a rock musician. That also is a very challenging lifestyle that I didn't really necessarily want. Let's just let things be what they're gonna be and kind of open and, and let them go to where they're gonna go. You know, um, seven or eight years later, I'm no longer living in New York. I have an entirely different career and I'm making music that is similarly open-ended and, and, and kind of um, uh, relatively unstructured in its creation. And I think those two things go hand in hand. I was really, I was very rigidly into songwriting and into being a songwriter. And I think all yeah. of that stuff fit 
than where I was at the time. Now I'm, I think I'm much less stressed, much happier, and much more experimental in both my life and in my music. Did it feel when you were with Harlem Shakes and you felt you felt you guys were on certainly on a crest? Um, then you had that realization you just mentioned. Um, was it because you looked at the future and said it doesn't look any different than this, or was it just felt artistically that you wanted to move into a different direction? Um, the it was mostly it was that actually the other guys really wanted to were less interested in being in, in bands in oh, various I ways. I mean, I yeah, they they really were like people of many interests or at least interests outside of New York uh, of um, indie rock and. Um, I was very frustrated with that. So I was like, guys, I can't be in this band where no one wants to even be a musician. I need to go be a musician elsewhere. So um, I quit the band and everyone was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you didn't want to do this either. <laughs> now we can um, win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, for the next you know decade, I was doing my own thing, being a musician and, and things like that, yeah. Did you feel at a pretty young age that you self-actualized and, and, and sort of, I should say self-identified as, let me rephrase it. So at, at what age did you self-identify with being a musician? Like, this is my identity. Just like, you know, the football guy is the football guy. And the, yeah. you know, when did that, when did that, was that the jacket you put on and you said, that's, that's it? I think I was in college. I think it was probably high school, college. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt like the, it was, I was the area that I was most passionate about and, wanted to focus in and kind of just start zeroing zeroing in yeah yeah it's interesting how um you know i hear different answers some people will say well, i was four years old and i thought and i thought man i you know i, don't, I i'm so fickle about my interests and my pursuits and my whatever but i self-identified as as with being a writer um I allow myself to really feel what I think when I was in college, which sometimes sounds late, but I don't think that is late. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can be into those things up until that point, but I think I, I think in, in college, at least for me, that was when I realized like, oh, I, I had this abstract sense of needing to like zero in on something, you know, I don't know it, when it when all of these things feel so, um, distant and arbitrary and kind of made up as you get older, you know, where it's like, why did I think I needed to specialize? What was I right. like, I, you know, what was the purpose of that? I, <laughs> I like having as many interests as humanly possible now. And I feel like I have the space to be whatever I want to be. But in college, there was this, there's a push, you know, for identity, you know, who am I? What, you know, what, what I need a thing to answer that question. And that was the closest thing on hand, you know. What's really interesting to me is that I, I never could, I, the Harlem Shakes were literally one of my favorite bands. Like, I loved you guys. Wow. Loved you guys. And, so and cool. I, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you're one of those bands. Where I've, I've seen it's hard to make friends when you're older. It's also hard to fall in love with music the way you did when you were younger. And I grew oh, up on the course, replacements yeah. and, and R.E.M. and Tom Waits. And in the 80s, you know, late yeah. 80s, that stuff, that's my stuff, Violent Femmes. Mm -hmm. And um, Harlem Shakes, like that album for me, it's like Harlem Shakes, The Thrills, The Libertines, and The Vaccines are the four bands that have knocked my head off as yeah. a 40-something-year-old guy about to be 50. And so Harlem Shakes, for me, I never could figure out, I, I always, I said to a friend of mine, they're sort of like R.E.M.'s Reckoning and the House Martins, and I don't know what the hell else is going on, but it's, it's magic, right? Magic. Did you, did you write, were you writing for the internet 
in the early 2000s about I Noam Chomsky? I was, but I did not review the record. I didn't. Oh, interesting. I wish I the did. House Martins, like the House Martins were the band that birthed Fatboy Slim. Am I making that up? That is correct. Yeah, yeah. I remember some, some obscure back, you know, corner of the internet at that time, someone compared us to the House Martins and I didn't know who that was. Uh, yeah. You know, and I looked up and I was like, wow, that's pretty right on. But nobody yeah. had ever even mentioned it before or since. There was like one little micro review. Anyway. It it's that. interesting to hear. I'm glad to hear that I'm not insane, but I, uh, I thought, you know, somewhere between the House Martins and Ari. Anyway, I yeah. only bring that up because I read that you were saying that you were you were going to dance clubs in sort of rave culture was interesting to you at the time. Yeah. Um, and for me, I was I was uh, at a friend's house the other day, and she was playing trance music, mm-hmm. and which I've never listened to. I'm a, I'm a lyrics guy. I'm a verse, chorus, verse guy. Um, and I was listening, to it and I thought to myself, this is amazing. Because A, I'm not distracted by who is this? Who is this band? I gotta write this down. I gotta, what's that lyric? I'm, I'm completely un, un um, uh, I'm not distracted at all. Yeah. I can let the music is just going. And as it's going, and I get rid of that, my brain doing that, I found myself really loving trance music for the first time, where I'm like, I could put this on all day and be totally into it. Um, sure. How was it that dance music, rave culture, house music, um, did, it, did it show up in the shakes or with arms? And do you feel that now you can access that in a way that creatively that feels more satisfying to you? Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, it was one of those things that, I, 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 I yeah, I would, I would say this, like I, I, I have always had very curious um, ears, you know, like I, I really like to just, find a genre that has not been on my radar before and just like absorb it um, for sport uh, a little bit. And there have been these, I have had these large interests, areas of interest, uh, electronic music and dance music and uh, metal and noise and things like that, that superficially haven't had anything to do with any of the music that I was making Mm -hmm. at the time. But in a lot of ways, I felt like they give the listening to music that had so little aesthetically to do with what I was making would give me, it gave me confidence to explore, even just within the confines of the genre that I was doing. You know, it's not like I was going to make a dance music record at the time. I wasn't, I'm, I listen to tons of metal these days. I'm not making metal albums right but i'm really inspired by the energy of these things and the ways in which it is so different from what i would ever conceive of doing you know it i like the i like the tension of of taste and like and like being a maker of things and listening to things or just have absolutely nothing to do with that so i think back then i was playing indie rock but i was going to underground raves and and dance parties and things and staying out till the morning and like all this stuff and getting really into the culture. And, you know, it was really a big part of my life and my identity at the time. And, uh, and I don't think it ever really found its way into the music. You know, I experimented with little electronic bits and pieces and things like that and kind of dabbled a bit on the side, but I never really deigned to like, do the thing itself and now that i'm making things that are a little more adjacent to it i'm feeling a little more comfortable to kind of like um 
actually make the stuff or make things that are adjacent to it in some way or another. And uh, it's and it's funny how that works. That I never would have thought to do that at the time. I never felt comfortable or right or even interested. And now I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, here I am. Yeah. You know, I'm, not, I'm not going to parties, but I'll, I'll make party music.
think there's something really cool about making really structured music, but being someone who, like hearing the sound of someone who is really into um, experimental, wild music, making really structured music, I think it has a quality. Like it, it infuses something, you know, like I've always thought it was really cool how like John Darniel, the, the mountain goats, um, uh, mountain goats guy is just like an encyclopedic lover of metal. And I, as far as I know, has made little to no music that even, that even comes close stylistically to that. But you know that there's a darkness and there's a, there's a, I don't know, there's like a scent of that around what he's doing in, in these ways. And I, I like the, the kind of like forensics of that being like, Oh, like, what, what are you into? Like you make this, but like, what are you really into? You know? Yeah. What was it about, about rave culture that really appealed to you? I, when I think about it now, I go, Oh, I gotta stand around for that long. It's too long of a night. I'll be tired the next day. But at the time when you're young, you do that stuff. And was it, was it the, the freedom of the, of the music? Was it the, like, what was it that appealed to you so much sonically or, uh, rhythmically, what was actually, what was, what was ringing your bell pre- precisely? Yeah, I, I think there were two, two parts, was the, the, sound, the sound of it, which was just so, um, uh, I just couldn't make heads or tails of it, you know? Like, how am I supposed to take this music where we're not talking about who the artist is, that you're just listening to a DJ play things. We're not, you, you can be familiar with the tracks that they play, but frequently in a lot of these parties, you're most, even the heads are, you know, familiar with like half of the songs, you know, and the point is you're being, you're hearing new things and these songs are all made to be connected to each other in a, in a set and it takes the identity of the, of the creator out of it. You know, I was coming from a rock perspective and that was just totally opaque and interesting and the beauty of these sounds and the, I was a, of the sort of like minimal techno era of of that stuff. The early in the early mid two thousands was when I started going out and hearing these things. And it's so it's so minimal and it's so just like tiny sounding, but really loud. And you're you're immersed in it. And I, I really love that part. Um, and then I love the fact that it was so much fun and it's a party and people yeah. are dancing and and whooping when the music gets good and everybody seems to know when the music has gotten good and they all whoop at the same time how do they know you know like it was so unlike indie rock shows which at that point in new york in particular were starting to get very like crossed arm like audience standing and appreciating the band as they you know play their art for people and that was just so boring and started getting really frustrating for me and going someplace where people were objectively there to have a good time communally was really beautiful and a really nice counterpoint to what was going on in my other musical life. And a, a complete lack of cynicism. Yeah, or relatively, you know, relatively, <laughs> yeah. people are cynical in all kinds of ways there too. That's you know? true. But, 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 it, but it is so much about, yeah, but, but at least in its intention, it's so much about a really good time, a party and, and a communal experience, you know, whereas indie rock in particular, it started getting very chin scratchy and, and art, you know, uh, stuffy in, in, a, in a presentational way and things like that. I mean, the I cynicism- love, I love that music too, but, you know. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, but for me, indie rock cynicism is very perceptible because it's the lane 
that I'm used to. Um, <laughs> whereas like, you know, house music or, you know, being at a rave or listening to trance, the, the cynicism may be there, but I can't perceive it because it's not the crowd. I, it's not, I'm not used to it. So yeah. it, feels, it feels deliciously absent, though I know it, it isn't. Right. Um, yeah. But it feels it feels better that way. Um, tell me a little bit about your work ethic, um, because you strike me as somebody who has a seriousness about craft, and you can. Is it true that you can disappear for six or seven hours at a time and and literally lose track of that time? Are you are you good that way? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know <laughs> I, I wish I I wish I was. I mean, I kind of am like I'm a mix of like. Uh, neurotically cracking the whip uh, for my uh, on my own behalf, and and being a real like laissez-faire. Like I remember reading a quote from Neil Young, I think about songwriting a long time ago that really helped me. Where he was like, "If you feel like you have a song in you, you should go write it down. If you don't, go out and like mow the lawn or something." You know, and the idea that like you it's your job to capture it if you have it but if you don't like don't make yourself feel bad about it like don't you know work work when you when you feel the energy and you're excited to do so otherwise don't even sweat it you know and i i think once i decided that i wasn't going to be a professional touring musician and didn't have an obligation to be hammering on my craft every second of the day that i had available i really relaxed and now I do it when I can and yeah. I allow it to be you know fun and relaxing I do it a little bit here a little bit there sometimes I do it for longer sometimes I do it for shorter and then every two three years I'm, I kind of look back and I'm like oh I have an album you know it's like I want it to feel like a byproduct of living you know the, yeah like, through time passing an album appears like uh, the least I can, I pressure I can put on myself, the better things are, I think for me everywhere. And so I try to do that with music too. I have heard, you know, authors especially will say, oh, I'll get up at five and I'll write till noon. And mm -hmm. I have never been able to do, I can't think of a, I can't think of art as a nine to five or as a sort of um, a kind of daily thing that I would do. Um, there have been times where I, I wouldn't write for six or seven months. I mean, there, I'm, I'm always sure. thinking about it, right? But but yeah. I'm not doing it because I feel there's nothing worse than doing it when you're not feeling like doing it. It it just yeah. is not. There's no joy there. Yeah, and, and I'm 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 all for the like the work at like the like uh, five to noon work ethic thing sure. in in concept. And I at I've done. I put myself in situations where I have no choice and I have to do it that way. And I like doing that almost like recreationally. Like I, the, the last, I made a, a ambient record before this one called Closed Loop that I made largely or I wrote largely in a kind of retreat that I just set up for myself where I, I rented a little cabin in the Redwoods in, in um, Mendocino. And I stayed there for a week by myself and I would like, get up in the morning, I would make music until two, I would go for a hike, I would come back, I would make music until I go to sleep. And I did that for a solid week. And it was, I went there with the intention to do that and I had the time of my life. I loved every second of it. It felt like 
a little thing that I proved to myself where I was like, oh, I can, if I wanted to, I could be that kind of artist where I'm making, I'm just here to make stuff. My friend referred to it as a vacation, uh, you know, and <laughs> it was what it was. It was like a vacation where I just wanted to like create things and, and the lack of, you know, no distractions, the focus, it was great. I had a great time in my regular life. I'm happy to just kind of let it be whatever it's going to be. I'm not going to, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy to allow music to be the hobby that it is best suited for in my, in my existence. And then, you know, if I, a record appears and a handful of people are excited about it and that just is such an icing on the cake for, for me that I, you know, I'm just happy to be here. So you kind of bon that record. You kind of yeah. went to the cabin in the woods. But I mean, the idea of knowing that it was only, that it was a very finite time. I mean, if you if you lived in the cabin in the woods, that was your life. Um, I wonder if that would become too isolating or too yeah, exactly. solitary. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I and I wouldn't want that. You know, I like right. a certain amount of balance, and I like to go all in on a sort of project mindset of like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it this way. These are the restrictions of this scenario, and it's a finite amount of time. And I found that to be incredibly freeing, and really, like, stuff just started flowing, and I was, I felt a sense of, uh, I don't know, I was the most like a real artist I'd ever felt, and you know, I suppose yeah. I, you know, I technically am a real artist, but that was definitely the most that felt like a real artist, you know, right. Right. And, and when you are, when you create something, a piece, um, at what point do you share it with your fiance? At what point do you share it with your close friend? Like at what point do you, do you sort of take it out of the bag? Even though it's not, the album isn't done, maybe it's just a three minute section. Um, it, does it feel okay to share that? And do you have people that you trust that you can share that with? Yeah, that's a good question. I um, I always know when it's ready to share. I just yeah. I just becomes clear. It's just a thing that I understand, uh, and it's usually when it has become a complete composition. You know, when it when it has a beginning, middle, and end, and I have a sense of a mood being sustained or whatever like that, and I'll play it for. I have a bunch of old musician friends who are all you know in a in a make making of this kind of music little community and we text each other our tracks and we have a slack where we talk about music and you know it's just we're all we're all just in it all the time and so it's it's good to have those my my kind of um my standard creative confidants to just go back and forth with yeah yeah it's it's really important i think to have that uh i have it too i have two two people that i just i absolutely trust implicitly in addition to um trusting yourself um, yeah, that, that's such an important thing, and I think that at what point do you think that you really fully did trust your instincts where you would go? So when I was in graduate school, I was letting stuff go through Todd that I definitely should not have let go through. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. I was like, oh, why did I do that? I Me mean, even looking you're back, young, you're still figuring it out. Still figuring it out, and I and yeah. I think now I'm like you. I think that I wouldn't make those mistakes again. Um, but in terms of, of feeling assured that you can trust yourself. Um, first of all, that's a great feeling, <laughs> because, yeah. right? It's a necessary place to get to. When do you think you fully felt like you were secure in that place with you? Uh, when it comes to ambient music or yeah, when it comes yeah, exactly. to this or kind both. of music? Let's yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was after I did that like retreat 
the woods cabin time where I had the sense that I'd, I'd made a lot of things. I kind of like pushed out some, a lot of experiments, ideas, ways of working that I had been working with. And I just had the sense of like, I need to sit down. I need to make a bunch of stuff to start to solidify my methods. Yeah. And that sense of like, if I just open it up, what are we going to do instead of trying to squeeze it in, in between, you know, exhausted work days or whatever, you know, just no other distractions, see what comes out. So I really know what's at the bottom of my creative bucket, you know? Uh, and I think that was, that, I would actually say that was the, that was the experience where I was like, okay, no distractions. What's in my bucket. And I started pulling things out of the bucket. And I was like, wow, stuff just keeps coming out of here. Cool. All right. You know, and, and I think that was when, that was when it wasn't something that I was trying to squeeze in hurriedly in between things or sort of nervously not knowing what I was doing or I was like, oh, I'm doing something something there's something here and from there you know not without all kinds of self-criticism and practices and stuff that doesn't work and this and that and the other thing but but I but at that point I was like I am doing this this is a real thing that I'm doing it's not an experiment it's a creative practice and like that's I think when it started the motor started running on its own what what part of your of your creativity and your process what are you what do you think you're, you're trying to work on the most? In other words, where, what area are you trying to improve uh, or get, or what area are you interested in getting, getting more refined in? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a class right now. I'm taking a um, Ableton Live and music production class, um, which I've never done before. I always would just teach myself the software and listen to a bunch of things and punk rock my way into learning how to record. I've been doing it that way since I was a teenager. Um, and I realized I need to just like level set. I'm ready to become better at this and to become a master of this thing in the way I was with guitar and things like that. So I would say, I mean, the things I'm working on are just like getting deeper into sound design and making more creative and immersive and, and personal spaces sonically. Uh, and I'm interested in learning new ways to compose and making things that are even more kind of like gestural and abstract and winding and long, you know, like I want to be able to make a nine, 10 minute track. Uh, that feels like something I'm sort of working up to is being able to do something that is really sustained and really slow moving. And um, I, that, that is a skill like so many others in this making of this thing that I realize I need to build. It's not happening natural, naturally for me. Uh, so I need to practice, you know, practice I mean, the fact writing. That you recognize that you, um, that instruction would be instructive is a very, it's very mature, Todd. It's a very, a very mature decision not to punk rock your way through it. So you, yeah. <laughs> right. So you will have, you will have a sort of more of an airtight grasp of it um, because for execution, it'll make it a lot easier. Yeah, and I was a rock and roll person, so I was under the mistaken impression that learning too much would would uh, would uh, dilute the purity of the rock and roll that I was making, you know, uh, which I don't think is true at all. I think that was a miss miss. Uh, I think that's a, a one of the destructive myths that a rock and roll um, puts on people, you know. I don't think learning more makes anything worse. I think learning more only makes it better. And I, and I, that was one area where I was like, why have I not been doing that in music? If I believe right. that to be true, 
So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to learn more. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. My my best friend is was the singer of uh, Operation Ivy, which was a big punk band out here in, in Berkeley. Sure, I remember um, Op Ivy. Yeah, Op, Op Ivy, right? And yeah. he, I it took me a long time, like twenty five years, to realize that because in your in your myth making head, you think that the guys in the band, it's like this fraternity that you will always have, and that you're a part of each other's lives. Um, and he really is. I mean, he's in touch with some of the guys, but they are they are. You know, they're not, it's not like a, um, a big close thing. And you have these two bands in your past, Arms and, and The Shakes. Are you in touch with these guys? Are, do you stay in touch? Do you, is it like a breakup or there's no need to, how does that work? I always wonder about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, the Harlem Shakes, the um, uh, three out of the other four guys I am, or two, two out of the other four guys I'm in regular touch with and I would say are two of my best friends. Great, um, okay. The other two guys I have drifted from over the years, but you know, all, all kinds of uh, plenty of plenty of good feeling, you know. Um, and that was a, that was a band that was very much like a um, that was a unit, you know. Uh, Arms was more of a changing thing over the years. There were a handful of members that came and went, and iterations of the band that were longer and shorter than others. Um, and I am. Uh, good buds with all those guys. It was it was never arms. It was my intention with arms never to have it have that level of pressure that was put on Harlem Shakes to be the thing. Um, I always wanted arms in its way to just feel like a project for everybody involved, and so we could you know it was at times a band and a fraternity, but then mostly it was just it was the people that I was excited about working with and who were excited about working with me who were who were in it you know, when they were in it. How are you as a collaborator? Do you, do you think you are, has it always been a strength for you or is it, is it something that you've, you've worked on? I mean, I think I've gotten better, better at it over the years. I, th I think my problem was I thought I was a very good collaborator earlier on when I was actually a very bad collaborator. <laughs> uh, but I've tried to come to a place of humility about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I, uh, I, I work by myself with music. Um, but I, with design, I mean, I have run teams of designers and animators and writers and things like that. And I like directing. I like, I like, you know, conducting the orchestra. And, and I think in that position, I like calling the shots and I like fading into the background. I like, I like being a side man. I like being a front man. I, I enjoy all sides of the thing, you know. What about the the live setting? Do you do you, is that do you miss that the the sort of the live stage or is that not something you feel you? I uh, I did I, I do I I, might, I miss playing for people, but I don't know if I miss like rock clubs. Yeah, uh, I know it's not my favorite place to be anymore. As much as I like rock music or live music or things like that, it's just not where I spend a lot of my time. And so you know, I definitely don't miss like playing in a band in particular. I don't really identify with that format, but I have had a show in which I played the music that I'm making right now. It felt great to be sharing it with people who are in the room, in the room with me. Uh, that was something that felt like ancient and necessary. And I can see doing more of that as soon as such a thing is possible again. Are you fairly goal oriented? Are you, do you try to keep yourself, do you have a vision for um, what your sort of musical goals are or do you just let the universe bring them to you? I think, uh, I, I, you know, I, as, as I, was, I was saying kind of earlier that like, I think I'm, I, 
I'm very much about just letting the thing progress where it will. Yeah. Um, trusting that I, in following my interests, it will continue to deepen and become something different from what it was before. Um, but I mean, I think if I do have a goal, it's, it's just always to make stuff that sounds like the music that I, that I love, you know, which is always hard to do. And, um, and I think that's the, that's the thing that gives me the most pleasure is to feel like I'm hitting something that can any ways stand up to the stuff that I am actually listening to. Um, getting my tastes and my, and my skills, skill set, my creative world to align. Um, and I feel like that's the thing that I'm just sort of like always doing like over and over and over again. You know, my tastes are always changing. My work is always changing and I'm trying to just like get them as close as, as possible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's fun. I mean, for me, it's like, you know, the, the idea of artistic evolution is what really interests me. And, and you can see it sometimes like in acting someone like Heath Ledger who could have made 10 teen films instead became this really challenge. He challenged himself artistically. He, be, he ended as someone who is not where he began. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I look at your career and I think like, you know, it's an amazing evolution to have Harlem shakes to arms to where we are now. It's an incredible evolution. And it's really, it's exciting because I think as an artist, um, you have to do that to stay alive and vital. Uh, you don't sure. want to do the same thing over and over again. That's not, that there's no pleasure in that. Um, it, it's weird because as an REM fan in the 80s, and I'm 49 now, but like for me, high school, it was like, you know, it was Reckoning, it was Fables, it was Murmur. And then yeah. when I started doing different things, I felt like that was, to me, that was really bothersome. Mm -hmm. But now I understand, <laughs> like I get why they did that. Yeah, you have to just stay interested, to stay excited about it. I think also I'm, I'm interested in particular in artists like, I guess if, I mean, I'm, I, I, I only, I, I talk about this only in the, the top level of comparison, but I like, I guess in a lot of ways, the an artist that the trajectory of my stuff follows is an artist like Talk Talk, mm. where they start very, very poppy and very structured and gradually start to kind of pull it apart until it just gets so abstract and diffuse that they've kind of like dissolved all of the structures that they were working with before. You know, and I, and I like that. I like artists like that where they started out, you know, because sometimes you have like, you know, weird noise bands, look at a, a band like Animal Collective, started out really abstract and strange and got more and more structured and poppy and focused and, and regimented as time went on. And I'm, I'm interested in the opposite where they start very structured and straightforward and become weirder and weirder until they just dissolve all the borders, you know, as that goes. And I, I, I like both of those. I, you know, try to play both sides of the field wherever possible. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like with Talk Talk, I mean, he, they came from a punk background, then it became this new wave, like Talk Talk is a very, just a very kind of forgettable new wave song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's good. And then like Color of Spring, it's like, what the hell is happening? Right. Spirit of Eden and all that stuff. And, and the, like the solo, um, the solo record that the singer put out, it's just all oh, these yeah. things are the most, the most wonderful, strange things. And where they come from is fascinating to me. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah. he, I think they were... Where, where they had, I mean, and again, they were, they were quiet for the last 30 years, but I mean, I mean, you're right, like Eden or Color of Spring, it's like, it just becomes more minimal and minimal and more wonderful and weird. Mm -hmm. And the, the evolution, the vision of that um, is just, I mean, it's remarkable. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I appreciate the chat, man. Thanks for thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you, Alex. This is a really great interview. This is, I, you know, your your writer your writerly background comes through. It's it's awesome. Uh, well, hey, man, thank you again for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. I really I really appreciate the every every part of this. This was really fun. My pleasure. I'm glad to have you on the West Coast, buddy. Yeah, good to be here. Todd Goldstein, great guy. I really enjoyed that conversation. Very, very cool. Uh, his music, unbelievable. Go check it out. Todd-Goldstein.com. See what he's up to. It's always fascinating, always captivating, always inventive, always innovative, and uh, always great. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's up with me. Is it innovative and inventive and always great? Uh, no, far from it. It's always weird and fraught with uh, with strange struggles. <laughs> that's how I that's how I describe my work. You can follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. Follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast. Please email me if you're so comfortable with old school email protocols that you don't even need to bother with social media. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use. Subscribe. Leave us a nice rating, maybe a comment or two. Tell a friend. Uh, you know, the whole thing. We're trying to spread the word. We're trying to turn this grassroots movement into a, uh, you know, an empire. I think that's the path we've decided to take. Uh, BobshellRadio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. Thank you, as always, for listening to our show week in and week out. Let's close the program with a longer listen to Todd Goldstein's Agree to Disagree. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio.